Hey there, my name is Ryan Hughley, and I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Our goal is to help as many people as possible meet and mature in the Jesus of the Bible. For more information about our ministry, visit our website at ridgeline.church. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing on the platform of your choice. Thanks again for listening, and I pray God's Spirit uses this message to revive you in a fresh way. Well, I want to start this morning talking about the power of simple practices. Uh, in that there is amazing power in even simple practices performed well over an extended period of time. And I'll give you an example. I mentioned a few weeks back that I've been wrestling with a few small but painful tears in my left Achilles for the past year. And so my doctor thinks it happened during that dreadful running challenge that a bunch of us did and that I took second place in. I just want to continue to assert that because Joey Hendricks cheated. And uh, so I went and saw my doctor, and rather than surgery, he prescribed physical therapy. And so I spent a few months, two times a week, with a physical therapist, and every time she did the same thing. She would scrape, and she would do dry needling uh, all the way down my calf, into my ankle, and in my foot, which if you've never had done, it's as close to torture as most of us will ever experience. And the majority of the time was actually spent uh, doing very simple exercises over and over and over again. So I'd spend a few minutes on a, a bike or an elliptical and uh, did a bunch of stretching and mobility work and minimal strength training. And when I first started, I just kept thinking like, how in the world can these simple exercises be doing me any good? My only concept for physical therapy was like what I'd seen in the movies, which is people just like, drenched in sweat as they learn to walk again after some horrible accident in their life. And so in the movies, it looks so dramatic and so big. And so when I sat there using my toes to pick up marbles off the floor and put them inside of a plastic cup, I just sat there going, this woman is for sure a witch doctor. There is nothing positive happening inside of me. But after a couple months of that, the majority of my pain was gone, and my doctor was amazed at how quickly it was healing. And so in addition to seeing the physical progress with the injury, I learned an important lesson. There is amazing power in even simple practices performed well over an extended period of time. Now, we have spent the better part of two months talking about building intimacy with God by learning to give more of ourselves to him. Specifically, the hardest parts of what we experience and what we feel in life. And so today, I wanna start bringing everything that we've been talking about together into a simple practice that if performed well over an extended period of time has tremendous power for healing, for transformation and drawing you and I into a deeper and more intimate experience of God's presence in our lives. And I wanna call this practice sitting with God. And so here's the big idea that I wanna unpack uh, for a few minutes together this morning. Intimacy with God grows as we invite him into our entire experience each day. Intimacy with God grows as we invite him into our entire experience each day. Now, you may hear this and think, like, really, isn't this just another teaching on 
how to have a devotional life or a quiet time, as it's so frequently called. And I think that's a super fair question, but the short answer is no, I don't think it's the same thing. I've actually stopped referring to my daily time with God as a quiet time altogether. Um, I don't think about it that way, I don't talk about it that way, and here's why. The way that Christians tend to teach tend to think about and tend to practice their devotional lives or their quiet time results in it being a task to complete along with the multitude of tasks that we're all responsible to complete every single day. Like just think about how many tasks we all face every day. I mean, to start, you have to wake up some days. That's a task in and of itself. You shower to start your day, hopefully, which unfortunately involves then seeing yourself in the mirror and being reminded of just how much weight you've gained during COVID. It's not my favorite moment in the day. I'm starting to shower with the lights off, just in the dark, just goes better. Then you gotta search through your entire wardrobe again to find that one pair of sweats that doesn't feel tight now, and which hoodie will not reveal your man breasts as you make your way through the day. That's how my day's starting right now, okay? And that's how you know like it's gone bad for you during COVID is when you're like, Phew, which, which sweats are gonna make me be able to still breathe? Is like when your sweats have gotten too tight, it's just gone so bad for us. But in all seriousness, we face about 10 tasks before we even leave the house for the day. And then whatever your work is, whether it's caring for a family or a home, going to school, working a job, all of that is filled with tasks. Exercise is a task. There are phone calls to make and bills to pay and errands to run. And the problem is our time with God tends to fall into that same sea of tasks that have to be completed every day. And so a quiet time for so many of us is just about ticking a box, which is one of the reasons so many of us are so inconsistent with that practice. You will always struggle to spend time with God if the intent is simply to tick the box. So contrarily, sitting with God, like we're going to talk about today, sitting with God, I would argue, is not about ticking a box. It's about engaging a person. And so while a quiet time and sitting with God contains some similar elements, it's, they certainly do, I would argue that the foundation is entirely different. What we're talking about today is learning to live in the open with the very person of God every day. And so here's what I want to do. I want to briefly outline what I have found to be the three non-negotiable elements, the three essential elements for sitting with God every single day. There are almost a countless number of spiritual disciplines that we can practice in our lives. And, and we all find some of those more meaningful than others, which is totally fine, and I believe what God intends. But these are the three that I have found to be most powerful in integrating everything we've talked about in this series. And so I want to do three things with each of these. I want to tell you what it is. I want to show you where we see it practiced in Scripture, specifically in the Psalms. And then thirdly, just provide some instruction for how to get the most out of each one. So thus far in this face-to-face -face series, this is the most practical teaching in the whole thing about how we bring this all together. All right, so we're going to look at these three essential elements for sitting with God each day. Here is element number one. Number one is surrendered Silence. Surrendered silence. 
Psalm 46, verse 10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, oftentimes I hear people bemoan the complexity of understanding the scriptures. So sometimes I'll talk to someone and they're like, yeah, I'm really struggling to read the Bible. It's so confusing. I feel like I don't understand what I'm reading and I totally get that. Some parts of the Bible are very hard to understand. In my own life though, I'm far less concerned about my inability to understand the complicated things than I am with my discomfort applying the very simple ones. So let's agree that this verse is not complicated, right? Be still and know that I am God. This is a very simple invitation to stop activity and to spend time sitting silently in God's presence. Like, that's about as simple as anything can be, right? Like, literally, just stop, do nothing, say nothing, just sit silently in God's presence. See, the problem is, despite how pointedly simple this is to understand, silence is one of the most painful practices for so many of us personally. We are a culture that is always on the go, always running from one activity, one errand, one task to the next. And so we really struggle to stop and we feel painfully uncomfortable in silence. I fully, I considered like maybe we should have like a shared experiment where we all just sit here silently for a while. And I got anxious thinking about that and wanted to die. So we're not going to do that. We live in a world of noise, which is one reason that silence feels so foreign and so uncomfortable to us. Like just take advertising as one example. Think about how many ads you and I are attacked by every single day. Do you know that in the 1970s, the average person was exposed to somewhere between 500 and 1,600 advertisements a day? And that was in the 70s. I read that and I was like, God, that sounds like so many. And if that sounds like a lot to you, listen to this. In 2007, that number had grown to 5,000 ads on average a day. And in 2021, it is estimated that you and I will be bombarded by somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 advertisements every single day. How insane is that? Six to 10,000 every day. I was doing research on the internet, reading this study, and then all of a sudden realized there was like seven ads on the page I was on. It's just bombardment all of the time. Not to mention the noise of TV, of music and podcasts and kids and conversations. We live in a world of noise. Which is one of the reasons that we're so uncomfortable with silence. We're so unaccustomed to it that it feels almost sometimes physically painful. But you know, silence is not the problem. Our discomfort with it is symptomatic of how disordered our souls are. And this is why Dallas Willard called silence and solitude the two most radical disciplines of the Christian life. Like a muscle that atrophies with little use, silence is most uncomfortable when it's least practiced. 
which means we have to learn to embrace the discomfort until it diminishes with time. And so every day, when I sit down to start my time sitting with God, I started by spending a few minutes in silence. And I would encourage you to try this or experiment with this. And just start small. I would literally set a timer on your phone for two minutes and then sit silently with God. If you're not sure exactly what it, that should be for like, well, what do I do? You just, you just literally do nothing. You sit in the silence. It's pretty amazing once you get comfortable with it. The Christian contemplative, James Finley, gives five simple guidelines for centering our hearts in silence. So just by way of direction, let me give these to you real quick. The first is, be attentive and open. One of the most powerful things for us really to center our hearts and minds on is that as we sit in silence, we are sitting in the very presence of God. That he is actually there with us. So be attentive and open. Secondly, sit still. I like to pray and walk at the same time, but silence is not the time for that. We sit still. Thirdly, we sit straight. If you try to lay down in silence, you will be asleep in silence. Okay, so sit straight. Fourthly, breathe slowly, deeply, and naturally. In through your nose, out through your mouth. And then finally, close your eyes or lower them to the floor just to avoid distraction. And listen, and that's it. And just sit with God in that silence. And as you experiment with this, here's one thing I promise will happen. Your mind is going to wander. And listen, that's totally okay. Pastor Pete Scazzaro writes this. He says, when you find your mind wandering, let your breathing bring you back. As you breathe in, ask the spirit of God to fill you. And as you breathe out, exhale all that is sinful, false, and not of him. I love the way that the Christian Standard Bible has translated Psalm 46.10 that we just read. It translates it like this. Stop fighting and know that I am God. So rather than saying be still and know, it says stop fighting and know that I am God. Silence is a tangible way that we surrender to God. And so as we embrace the discomfort of shutting out the noise, we invite the transforming whisper of God into our lives. So the first element for sitting with God is surrendered silence. Element number two is this, patient meditation. Patient meditation. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 say this. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Now in Psalm 1, throughout the entirety of that psalm, we're presented with two ways to live the way of God leading to true happiness or the way of wickedness that leads to suffering in our lives. And one thing that Psalm 1 makes very clear is that to live the way of God demands that we actually understand it. And so God's word is the primary place that he reveals his way. And this means that rather than some hurried reading that rushes to just check the box, we have to actually slow down and consider what God is saying to each of us. Richard Foster has one of the most helpful chapters on meditation in his amazing book, The Celebration of Discipline. I read it for the first time in my early 20s. I've probably read it 10 times since. It's one of the best books 
on walking with God. So it's called Celebration of Discipline. If you've never read it, I'd encourage it. But in his chapter on meditation, he writes this, quote, the Bible uses two Hebrew words to convey the idea of meditation, and together they are used some 58 times. These words have various meanings listening to God's word, reflecting on God's works, rehearsing God's deeds, ruminating on God's law, and more. In each case, there is a stress upon, listen to this, in each case, there is a stress upon changed behavior as a result of our encounter with the living God. Repentance and obedience are essential features in any biblical understanding of meditation. So what Foster is saying is that unlike some other forms of meditation, Christian meditation is not about emptying the mind, but filling it and centering it on God's own voice in his word for the purpose of actually practicing what he has said. So intersected and entwined with Christian meditation is very much the intent that we will apply the things that we are reading. And so here's what I try to do. Three things. Number one, focus on less. Number one is focus on less. I'm super pro reading through the Bible in a year if you feel compelled to do that and if that's within your ability to do, but it takes time. It can be hard. So I'm pro reading through the Bible in a year. I've done it multiple times. The liability though is that you read to finish rather than reading to be formed. And that I think is problematic. And so even in my own life this year, I'm only reading through the New Testament, uh, unless it's for sermon preparation or other study, and that tends to be less than even one chapter a day. And so I'd encourage you, for the purposes of meditation, focus on less. Secondly, as you're reading that section, uh, reading, that, uh, that reading less, pick a section or theme that captures your attention. Okay? So it, it might be just one verse, it might be one phrase, it might even be one word within a verse. It might be an event or a theme that you see taking place in this section. But ask God to capture your attention with one section or theme. And then thirdly, talk to God about what it says. Talk to God about what it says. Now, I use my journal for this. I would encourage you to as well. I talk to God about what it says, what this verse means. I ask questions and I'm honest with him when something doesn't make sense to me. And you know, that's okay. I, we, we feel like so burdened by there being things that we don't understand in the scriptures. Like it was written a super long time ago and uh, a lot of it is complicated and hard to understand. That's okay. So when questions arise, I ask God those questions. I also tell God when, and I don't know if you're comfortable with this, but I tell God when something I'm reading in the Bible rubs me the wrong way. So if you're ever like, I don't, I don't like that verse. I don't like what that says. Whew, cool, welcome to being a human. There are things like you're not God, I'm not God. There are going to be things that God thinks, that God says, that rub us the wrong way. And rather than pretend that's not the case, talk to him about that. That's the most important thing that we can do. And then lastly, talk to him about at least one way that you can live what you've read. I think that's one, one reason that we find daily time in God's word so difficult to maintain and sustain. It's because we're just reading to finish rather than to be formed and to apply. And what is one thing at the end of each time sitting with God that you can actually put into practice for that day? The bottom line is when you love someone, you long to hear their heart and mind. 
And the same is true of God. And so rather than read to tick the box, let's learn to patiently meditate to hear his voice. Thirdly, and finally for today, the third element is contemplative reflection. What I would call contemplative reflection. Psalm 62.8 is becoming one of my favorite psalms. David writes this. He says, trust in him at all times, you people. And then I love this line. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. I want you to just consider this verse, one phrase at a time, just for a second. First, David says, trust in God at all times, you people. Now, it has been a very challenging season to trust God. There has been so much happening in the world, so much happening in our life, that if you have had moments throughout the course of the last 12 months where you've backed up and gone, God, you, are you sure you got this? Because it does not always feel like it. It's understandable. It's been a very, very difficult season to trust God. But you know, in Psalm 62, David makes it pretty clear that he was in a season where his circumstances were not awesome either. He is once again under attack and still he says, trust in God at all times, you people. Furthermore, David goes one step further, showing us that one very practical way that we demonstrate and practice trust is to pour out our hearts before him. And we can do that because he is our refuge. And so let me ask you a very simple and straightforward question. Is it your practice to pour out your heart before God? Is it your practice in life to pour out your heart before God? In my experience, the answer is often no. The truth is in the vast majority of my Christian life, the answer has been no. We think of prayer as being more proper and put together than all that. But this is one of the reasons that we struggle with consistency in our prayer lives. Some of us are so paralyzed by what we've been told prayer should be that we haven't had the chance to experience all that it can be. Prayer is simply pouring out your heart to God. It's talking to him about what you're going through. It's processing all that you think, all that you feel, and all that you experience with him. It's not about reciting all of the right incantations, spells, or mantras. It's just sitting with him and answering this question. What are you feeling today? What are you feeling today? And so after I've sat with God in silence, meditated on a, on a section or theme that I've read, I open my journal and I tell God the answer to that question. What are you feeling today? And that might sound like so terribly simple to you, but listen, that question's powerful because it does two things. Number one, it forces us to face the feelings we'd rather ignore. Because oftentimes the answer to that question is pretty uncomfortable. Like a lot of days I'm not feeling like all rainbows and snowflakes. Sometimes I'm feeling stuff that's very hard and uncomfortable and, and allowing God to ask that question and then in turn seeking to answer it causes us to face those rather than ignore them. And secondly, it invites God into the deepest part of our human experience. And so that might sound simple, but it is certainly not comfortable. 
It is so much more comfortable, as we've talked about, to ignore, to run from, or to numb so many of our emotions, particularly the ones that we don't find comfortable. But here's the problem. Choosing comfort keeps you at a distance from God. And so we have to decide what we want more, personal comfort or deeper communion with God. And so as we close this morning, I just want to be clear about something. I do, I hope that you notice this over time. I work hard to try to make following Jesus as accessible as possible in our culture. And so that, that doesn't mean that it's always easy, but I, I do want to make it accessible. And so to that end, there are times when I try to put the, the practices that the Bible prescribes on the lowest shelf possible, meaning I try to give simple application that is accessible to everyone. And the reason for this is I deeply believe that the little things that you do accomplish are more helpful than the big ones that you don't. And by that I mean small, simple, accessible, easy practices that we actually can accomplish are better than these big, dramatic, massive ones that we just never even do. And so we try to make it as accessible as, po as possible. But I wanna be honest, this practice we're talking about this morning, it's not quick. You can't do it in five minutes. In fact, the more consistently you practice sitting with God, the more time you're probably want to going to invest in it. And so to start, you're probably going to need 20 to 30 minutes every single day. And I know that time is often the one thing that we all feel like we never have. That said, one thing I've observed over the years is that everyone has time for everything they value most. And, and I don't say that to like shame you if you're not spending time with God, but I do want to help us have an honest moment right now that we do have time for the things that we value the most. Like if you had time to binge watch Tiger King, you got no excuse to not spend time with God because that show was trash. Okay. It might've been funny, but that show was trash. Some of us finished that in like 48 hours. Okay, there was so much sitting with God that could have happened during that time. So again, the point is not to shame or to make us to feel bad, but we have to be honest about we do have time for the things that we value. And so unlike some other teachings, my goal this morning is not to make this practice of sitting with God quick and efficient for us. My goal is to simply paint a picture of what could be that is so compelling that we would be willing to carve the time. So I just want you to imagine, imagine for a second how different it would feel if you were aware of God's presence every day. I want you to imagine how different it would feel if you heard his, his voice and you felt his care each day. Imagine experiencing the relief of him actually trading you stress and worry, fear and anxiety for the peace of his presence. Imagine sitting down overwhelmed and confused about life and then walking away with wisdom and clarity for the day. This is all possible. And I'm certainly not saying that every day is going to be an Eden-like experience or that it doesn't 
come without discipline. I'm just saying there is a way to sit with God daily that is experientially superior to just ticking the box. Intimacy with God grows as we invite him into our entire experience each day. So will you choose to begin sitting with God daily? Let's pray, and then we'll do some Q&A. Father, we thank you that you desire time with us. And I pray that some, in some way right now, your Holy Spirit would help us to feel the weight of how amazing that is, that you, the, the, the creating, saving, sustaining God of the universe, you want to sit with us each day. You want us to be aware that you are with us. You want to work in us and to change and transform us and to make us new and to give us peace and hope and to correct us and help us to live your way. You want that for us. And I pray, God, that you would help us to desire that as well. That you would teach us a new or a better way to not just tick a box, but to really engage with you. And I pray, God, that you would meet us in those moments and that you would meet us in such a meaningful way that we would feel as though we have no choice but to keep coming back because we are desperate for you because only you can satisfy the longing inside of us. So I pray that you would do that work in us. We know that you can, so we ask that you would. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.